0: Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. I'm Marion Manicker, and we're gonna explore the mysteries of the global art market. Mary Roselle heads UBS's Corporate Art Collection, which contains 30,000 works of art in its offices around the world. The collection buys on the primary market and rarely ever sells. Mary, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, Marion. a pleasure to be here.
0: So I wanted to start in talking about the UBS art collection, which is very large, it's about 30,000 pieces, Mm -hmm. uh, and has a fairly long history. It was Mm -hmm. started in whatever its constituent parts Mm -hmm. some 20, 30 years ago or Mm -hmm. longer?
1: That's right, about 30 years ago.
0: What's the value to UBS of having this collection? I mean there are other banks that have collections mm-hmm. but not very many of them and certainly large corporations can decorate their offices without investing mm-hmm. uh, in art. Mm-hmm. There, there's some component value to continuing this on and I'd like to get a little sense sort mm-hmm. of from there where, what it means to UBS. Yeah,
1: that's a great question and it's, it's quite a big question actually. You know first there is the aspect of just having art on the walls um, and I know from my personal experience here um, moving into an office with no art on the walls, you know, the dramatic difference having art around you can make, Um, and so that's part of it. We have over 850 offices around the world that need things on the walls, Um, but also I think it's a, you know, they say, you know, it's part of our culture, art is part of our culture, and it sounds like a cliché, but, um, from what I've observed thus far, it's something that the bank really believes, and part of it is, um, asking questions and being you know thoughtful, provocative, inspiring. And I think, you know, we all know that art has the power to do that. And in a culture like this, a banking culture where you know individuals can, can make mistakes or take things down, you know, the, the culture really encourages creativity, asking questions, and they see art as part of that. Um, and lastly, and perhaps most importantly Art is a platform for dialogue with our clients. We are the biggest wealth management operation in the world. That's what we do. And I think, you know, the company has realized that art is a way to have a conversation that doesn't involve money. We recognize that our clients, a lot of them care more about their art than their other investments. Um, And it changes the conversation, you know, and these relationships are very intimate. um, It's about trust building. You're giving someone your money. And, um, you know, I'm brought into a lot of conversations with clients just to have a dialogue. And you do see that it's effective.
0: So uh, on the ground or Mm -hmm. or among the bankers, is there a, a fairly high level of uh, their own knowledge engagement Mm -hmm. uh,
1: with art? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Some of the financial advisors are collectors themselves. They are advocates of the collection. They're very involved, sometimes maybe too involved. You know, they're very enthusiastic and we love it. Um, Others aren't and they're really hungry for this knowledge. And one of the amazing things about UBS is we have this whole other platform that a lot of people, particularly in the United States, don't know about. It's called um, our Art Forum. And it's based in Switzerland. And that's where financial advisors are educated about art. They learn about the art market, all these special topics. um, And we hope to expand that here in the United States and perhaps in Asia as well, because there's a real hunger to learn. They want to connect with their clients. They go to these events with their clients. um, And yeah, there's great interest.
0: So one of the most interesting things I uh, read that got me uh, Mm -hmm. uh, wanting to speak to you uh, here was that you do the art acquisition regionally, that you have um, uh, uh, teams Mm -hmm. in New York, in Switzerland, in London, and now in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And you talk uh, a little bit in an interview in Barron's Mm -hmm. about uh, expanding in Latin America Mm -hmm. and a period where there was a lot of acquisition Mm -hmm. of Latin American art. And now, of course, the the bank is expanding in Asia as all financial institutions uh, uh, are. And uh, you're looking more to acquire regional artists uh, Mm -hmm. there is that emphasis on the regions coming from uh, within the financial advisors Mm -hmm. or the client base or is that something that uh, is driven by you
1: well um, you know we collect both regionally and globally i would say it used to be um, more regional but part of what I've been doing is breaking down the walls. So you know, I want my curators talking to each other, not making suggestions in a vacuum. Um, so I would say we collect both regionally and globally, and a lot of our collecting is driven by need. You know, we're not just buying art to buy art and build a grand collection. I don't want to buy art and have it sit in storage. Um, it's it's based on our building projects and what's going on within the business. So recently. Um, before I went to our Basel, Hong Kong, I went to Singapore, for example, where we have a very large business and a brand new space. And so what we generally like to do in these important spaces around the world is to kind of um, anchor the space, give it a flavor of the international breadth of our collection, but then also look at the region and say, um, how can we make this office speak to the region? And that's where we're buying younger, more emerging art, um, that has relevance for the particular venue.
0: Explain to me how that, mm-hmm. that works. I, I, I'm assuming on one hand you're dealing with the contractors, builders, and decorators mm-hmm. for the, mm-hmm. the new building. Yeah. On the other hand, you must be dealing with the executives who run that mm-hmm. uh, region or yeah. the, the, that division and somewhere between you're sort of triangulating <laughs> to come up with a yes. a, a, a a curating plan yes. and then you're executing that with your curators yes
1: that's how it works i have you know all of our offices have collection managers and i have to say they are so brilliant you know they get they get the news on the decor. They get the floor plans. They you know, say what size works work well. You know, I, I, I have a really hard time with that. I have to be standing in the room to have my vision, but they, they do this like a science. They're very good at it. Um, and then there's the other dialogue that we're having with those in charge of running the business there, and some of them are very opinionated. And so we do want to please them to a certain extent. Um, At the same time, we're always, you know, holding the line. Well, give me a sense of what those
0: opinions are. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I, I don't need specific artists, but but what kind of direction do you get from uh, an executive when he turns to his mind to how he sees the art in the offices?
1: Well, for example, in the Singapore office, um, the head of that office wanted pop art. You know. And that's not easy to go out and buy. We don't, you know, we have a limited amount, but we have a lot of pop art. We just happen to have a lot of pop art um, as our theme in in Hong Kong, and um, you know, it's also what appeals to his clients, what's going to speak to them, give them the message that he wants them to have. You know, so then we think about that. We think about what we have. We think about what we can acquire, and and we, we put together packages, you know, and, and with a with a curatorial theme. And then we have a dialogue, and sometimes we have to say, "Well, this is what you're getting. This is how it is."
0: Well, it's hard to go back and uh, commission mm-hmm. pop art since you have an emphasis on buying from living yes, yes. artists and from their primary yep. ga- galleries. Yep. It's not like you can go and get a, yep. um, a Tom Wesselman uh, exactly. uh, from the gallery. You might be able to go to the estate and get get something. Yeah. And I don't know if that would would. Fit and I with. think
1: yes, I think everyone, um, you know, even within this vast business. Um, You know they there's a, a feeling that we just have works in storage that we can pull out to satisfy a need and Anytime we do a loan or an exhibition or even our lounges for Art Basel We're taking something off the wall, and we have to replace it with something else and this requires communication with the local businesses We have to offer them a substitute. They have to be pleased with it. It's all very complicated So you know it is it's a lot of diplomacy both internally and externally it's a big part of the job.
0: I want to stay for a minute mm-hmm. on the primary mar- market, just because it's kind of yes. fascinating this sort mm-hmm. of being a big buyer yeah. and then trying to, to cover a lot of territory. Yes. So um, I take it you have your curators and your collection managers mm-hmm. are staying in touch with a lot of galleries, mm-hmm. they're going to openings, mm-hmm. They're they're sort of building their own Uh, list of what they think is interesting and then they're matching that when there is either a project or a directive Mm -hmm. they're saying oh well this is a good artist I've had my eye on and here Mm -hmm. are the kinds of works do they uh, uh, do they come to you with sort of a selection of you know, choose among these potential uh, acquisitions? Do you just say, you you know, uh, nominate what you think will will fit here best? I mean, is it a committee? How does this, or? Well,
1: you know, it depends on what the project is, and you know, it's quite case by case. Um, Sometimes, you know, they submit proposals to me, and sometimes it's pretty clear cut what the answer is. Sometimes it requires further dialogue. Um, and I'll open up the dialogue to whoever might be relevant to that particular conversation if it's above a certain amount It has to go to our art board um, which sits in Switzerland um, so, so It's
0: oh is it it's not done on a uh, you don't budget ahead of time you do it Opportunistically if there's something great and important and it's bigger than what anyone thought it would be But you still think it's worthwhile. You'll bring it to the the yeah. a, art board It's and a say, little
1: of both. You know like I said um, a lot of it will be driven by special projects, but it's also driven by opportunity in the art world if you've been looking for something for a long time. Um, and you know, a, a lot of times you have to act quickly in the art world um, to, to get a certain piece that you're looking for that might fill a certain need or gap in the collection. So it's kind of a combination.
0: And, and this is going to be an odd question to, to mm-hmm. ask, but how do you think you rank with dealers? I mean, uh, so much in the art world is mm-hmm. about placing uh, good work with the right yeah. collections. And I could see you uh, uh, being seen... Uh, as a very positive collection to be a part, part of. Mm-hmm. I could also see it, it mm-hmm. maybe not being the, you know, a first choice co- collection right. for various d- different right. reasons. And maybe it is just dealer by dealer, or artist by, by artist. But mm. what what is your experience with uh, the dealers representing now such a large buyer, yeah, owner of art? <laughs> that's
1: such a great question. Um, you know, I, I've only been here since September. Um, and in that relatively brief period, I've, I've kind of seen both. There are a lot of dealers out there that realize that, you know, we are, we are quite an institution, not at a museum level, but um, we aren't flipping artworks, we are stable, we will protect the artworks, that sort of thing. Um, and they're very eager, you know, and I think there's an understanding that this collection has a fine reputation, and so they're eager to be part of that. Um, I have, you know, I have also experienced some, um, you know, what I would read as hesitation, um, and, and it's in one case, you know, there's just one particular piece that I would really like to have for the collection. It's not a huge major piece, but um, yeah, it's it's quite important to me in terms of this whole picture. And they just won't sell it to me because it's got to go to a museum. You know, I keep going back and knocking on the door. Um, so, so you do see it, and you know, you can't um,
0: promise to uh, uh, give it to a museum on some sort of. I
1: did. I tried that. <laughs> I did try that. <laughs> Didn't work. So we'll see. And it is case by case. I think you know, it also depends on what people's experience have been with UBS in the past.
0: You know? So that brings up, uh, there are a number of works in the collection yeah. that are um, earmarked or a partial mm-hmm. gift mm-hmm. or promised to MoMA here in New York. Right. Um, I'm assuming that's because they come from the, a previous collection that had mm-hmm. a relationship uh, uh, with, with MoMA.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be the Payne Weber collection.
0: And mm-hmm. but it is the a corporate collection by definition um, has no lifespan to it. I mean, the right. corporation like Payne Webber right. may get absorbed right. into the another, there may be things that change it, but there's no uh, you know, four score and 10 years that you can expect someone mm-hmm. uh, lifespan to, to to be. So mm-hmm. are those on sort of a, a an impermanent uh, schedule, or is it at some point they're they're promised, or it's really when the museum says we'd like to have that?
1: Um, There is a schedule, and um, in the interim, you know, this gift was made I believe in 2000, so there has been a schedule and all of the works will be officially turned over and owned to MoMA by February of 2017.
0: Oh, so you got a lot of work to do. Got I do. you got walls to fill.
1: I do. And, you know, MoMA has a lot of those works already, um, but we still have a number of them, and they're very, very important works. So it's, it is it is going to be hard to re- to replace Well, we can't replace them, but just to, to replace them on the walls is going to be difficult.
0: So do you have a... Is there a particular strategy around that? And, and does UBS view that as um, we had these these works of of such a level Mm -hmm. and we now need to find works that will potentially uh, uh, rise to that level?
1: Well, I think that's pretty much impossible. (laughs) Um, These works are not replaceable by any stretch of the imagination in terms of what we could acquire, um, value-wise, certainly. Um, And and even their importance in the, you know, whole art historical scheme of things. But, you know, we are looking as we acquire now, what could go on that wall, what could have an impact. And since we can't replace these Payne-Weber artworks, um, you know, we're gonna have to change the whole concept of this, you know, this main space here where we're sitting that holds the majority of them. So we're going to have to, you know, have younger art here, fresher art. Um, But I'm excited for that too. I that think sounds like a well. great
0: opportunity. Yeah,
1: it's, it's you know, uh, and we don't have a lot of time to find great pieces, and we may, you know, we move things around from different offices. Maybe we'll call something back from Switzerland. We also have a big building project going on in London um, that's going to open in, in August, and that's, you know, a freestanding UBS building, our largest building project in history, I believe. So um, there's a lot to think about there, too. So...
0: So let's go back and talk, since we were just uh, mentioning mm-hmm. those uh, works. I don't think a lot of people really know that much about yeah. the Payne Weber collection, right. uh, how it came about, yeah. about, why it was so so good. Yeah. In fact, I don't really know much more about it than yeah. that Don Marin was the right. CEO of Payne Weber, right. And most people know Don Marin is a very big art collector yes. uh, on his own account. Yes. But even before that, he uh, had Payne Weber buying right. uh, art, and they did a spectacular job. Right. Uh, do, you, do you know who, who built that collection with him and how it worked?
1: Um, well, he had I, I, I believe he had a number of curators. Um, one of whom is still his current curator. Um, but I think you know that collection, and, and certainly advisors around as any great collector has, but the Payne-Weber collection was really built from his vision. And um, I think that's why it remains probably the most outstanding corporate collection that was ever put together, was because of the risk that he took, you know, the knowledge. He was so committed. He was at galleries every Saturday. He was, he had, you know, he was just in the game, and he was so passionate, and, and I think, you know, it wasn't um, a collection built by committee, you know, which I think is the fear with corporate collections. Um, It was definitely driven by passion, and I know that not everyone that worked in, you know, his environment, we're, we're happy about those artworks, you know, and and I think every collection needs an advocate, and he was certainly a tour de force, um, and, you know, that legacy endures. And I certainly knew about him in the 80s and 90s. You know, he was someone I, I greatly admired. He changed the conversation around corporate collecting as an individual, So, you know, that's what's exciting for me to be here now.
0: No, you can think Mm of uh, uh, IBM at Mm -hmm. one point, again, Mm -hmm. driven by the Mm -hmm. the chairman, uh, uh, Payne Weber. Mm -hmm. There are a few other outstanding corporate uh, uh, collections, but they seem to go, uh, have a sort of vogue in the the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And then... Uh, we've seen a big period especially uh, in in the last uh, 10 yeah. years certainly post yeah. uh, financial crisis yeah. where the value of the works have uh, you know sort of provoked a fiduciary responsibility mm-hmm. for these corporations to if not get out of collecting yep. at least resolve their right. their co- collection um, but it seems like something like about that has changed and mm-hmm. and, and maybe it's it's uh, a, a false impression, but I do get the sense that mm-hmm. there are companies out there who view collecting as something that is mm-hmm. part of their cultural corporate identity.
1: Yeah, I agree that it's there's kind of a revival now. Um, I think it has to do with, you know, what we've seen in the art world in the last 10, 15 years, it's just getting more and more democratic and expansive. And um, it's not just you know, an elite thing. So I do think it be- art has become part of the broader culture um, on the one hand. And in terms of UBS, I think, I think art is just more deeply connected to everyday life in Europe. And you know uh, the nerve center of our bank is in Switzerland. And having lived over there um, for many years myself, you know, it's just more normal to have art as part of your corporate or your working life. And so I think probably after the crash, when nobody really wanted to talk about their art collections and they, you know, everyone just wanted that to go away, I think there was just, um, you know, a deeper, longer fundamental commitment in UBS that it wasn't so easy to cast off their art collection.
0: So, So tell me a bit about, since you are acquiring a great deal of Mm-hmm. Uh, art, at least a number of objects mm-hmm. um, and, and have plans to uh, yeah. in the future do that. What do you see in terms of um, either global trends in, in uh, mm-hmm. art uh, and even art at that level, you know, of the, w- w- too much of the mm-hmm. focus is always on the big uh, uh, million dollar, 10 yeah. million, 100 million dollar paintings, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of art being made and being mm-hmm. acquired out mm-hmm. there that I- is at a much uh, lower value. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I imagine that's a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. your bread and butter trade uh, mm-hmm. for uh, this collection. Uh, so uh, I'm wondering what what you're seeing, what what's interesting and exciting to you, uh, uh, both for the collection and even the things that aren't relevant to the collection, but right. you see because you see so right. much art.
1: Well, first I should, you know dispel the idea somewhat that, you know, we're buying, buying, buying. You know, the headlines are all about buying and expanding into Asia and all of that. I I hired one person in Asia, um, and primarily it was because we had so much valuable pop art in our Hong Kong office, and I I need someone there. And, you know, primarily what my team is doing is taking care of this art, which is an enormous, mind-boggling job. Um, and, um, but in terms of what we're buying, you know, it's, we're at this kind of funny time right now, I feel like, um, because, you know, say in the 90s, it was all video art and painting was dead, and, you know, there were certain trends that you could really identify. I feel like the art world is so, you know, being global and being so diversified, it's harder for me to identify those trends. You know, there's all the, like, video-based new media art um, that we've seen, but you know, I think there's, there's um, all sorts of things going on. So I can't really identify one trend or anything that we're particularly interested in. Um, but, you know, another thing to consider is when you are collecting for a corporation like this, where everything's hanging on the walls, I, I would say almost 90% of what's out there is eliminated right from the beginning. So, you know, I remember when I went to Frieze in October. It was my first art fair since I started this role. And, you know, I was looking at the art fair with very different eyes, and, you know, I got through it pretty quickly, you know, because we can't really have hard subjects hanging on our walls. Even, we were looking, we were talking about Christopher Wool yesterday on a tour, and there was a time when his, we have a major painting called Wall, and there was a time when we couldn't hang that because it was offensive to veterans. Maybe, you know, it's still offensive, but I think, you know, a lot of it depends on the period, right? Um, So, you know, we can't have hard politics. We we don't want gore on our walls. Um, Sex, violence, you know, there's a lot of things that we can't have. Um, And we do want artworks that, for me, I I do want them to have an aesthetic presence if you have to look at them all day. Um, So that in itself narrows what we look at.
0: Well, we just went through a, a, a big phase where um, some form of abstraction was mm-hmm. all you saw. I mean, now, yeah. we're, now everyone talks about all these figurative yes, uh, yes. Uh, painters and they too are, yeah. uh, mostly are not difficult subject matter, often yeah. very I- I- interesting formally, yeah. uh, with but banal subject ma- mm-hmm. matter and all, all of that. But I, I get your point. You, you, you have to have two-dimensional w- work yeah. that Fits in a setting that is going to be appealing to people without being um, Mm -hmm. too provocative or or off uh, putting in that way.
1: I'm also interested in careers that were maybe overlooked. You know, we see a lot of that now. As as the demand for art expands, um, people are looking back at at artists that maybe had big careers in the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and and then you know they're being revived. So I also think that's interesting. Um, and then, you know, I haven't really delved into it that much, but, you know, what is the demographic of the art? Do we have enough women artists? Do we have enough minorities? Does this really reflect our complexion as a global bank?
0: Well, in, in your case, if you're uh, uh, doing things in different parts of the world, they're right. majorities. You know, in Latin yep. America, yep. They're, they're Latin American artists. In Asia, they're Asian artists. Yeah. Actually, uh, one of the things I was interested in Asia Know, that We've had this interesting thing where finally, over I think almost the last five years, mm-hmm. there is now sort of um, an Asian contemporary art.
1: Mm-hmm. There used to be
0: a Chinese and, yeah. and uh, you know Philippines and uh-huh. Indonesian, and now at least in the sales, maybe not uh, in yeah. the collections, but I think also in the collections, mm-hmm. people are buying across mm-hmm. um, various countries different artists they find interesting, yeah. but still within sort of an Asian uh, uh, yeah. uh, context and, yeah. and all. And I'm assuming that's sort of reflected in what you're trying to acquire for your Asian, you know, your Singapore, your Hong Kong. uh, I'm assuming you have stuff in Indonesia and the Philippines, those offices. And there's a a rich tradition of contemporary painters in, in those countries.
1: Yes. And, you know, I personally have so much to learn in that you know, whole space, I look back and I think, you know, how Western my education was, of course, you know, in survey courses we touched on certain things, but, you know, it's so hard to keep track of the art, you know, even the art market here in New York, and and then when you have the whole world, that's why, you know, another reason why I wanted to have someone on the ground in Asia who's actually at the galleries looking um, and, and can be in Singapore or the Philippines or wherever when needed. It's not enough to go to art fairs, as we know, so um.
0: and has a curatorial point of view, uh, exactly. right? Who can, mm-hmm. who can uh, acquire within a larger context yes. and yes. and be able to explain right what what uh, what the bank owns, why it owns right. those things, and and yeah. how those things can be recombined. And I guess that that brings up one other thing that's interesting to me. I think one of the things that never talked about enough mm-hmm. in the art market, mm-hmm. uh, not in the art world, is. The extent to which collections are collections, in the sense that they, they are objects that are usually related to each other mm-hmm. in someone's uh, yes. mind's eye. Yep. Uh, certainly, if there's a curator, there should be yep. you know, uh, uh, more than just uh, yep. a feel for it and all. But you have such a large collection. Yes. I'm assuming <laughs> there, are, there are subsections w- uh, yes. of it and all. all. Do you, you you do shows from what what you ha- have, yes. both either in some of your spaces or uh, you know mm-hmm. as as part of the office, but also as as shows. Yes. Uh, so you're also acquiring stuff that can be recombined to create these different sh- shows as well to be able to have a, a right. point of view.
1: Right. You know, for each acquisition that we make, small or large. Um, we, you know, even on the acquisition proposal form that the curators fill out, um, part of it is how does this fit with our co- collection? How does it connect? So it is hard when you, you know, you're not starting from scratch. And the core of our collection is built from three different collections that were owned by three different banks. One of which, you know, Don Marens was very steeped in the New York Art World Western paintings. Um, and the other was very strong in, in European, mostly European, um, large-scale photography from the 90s, Swiss artists, emerging artists. So then I walk in, and you have this composite of different collections. How do you make sense of that? How do you give it meaning going forward? That is my challenge um, and something that I'm thinking about and trying to articulate. Um, there are so many different components, but how do we make them work as a whole? Yeah. You know?
0: But you don't have the luxury that other collectors would have of uh, selling the valuable works that maybe don't fit in right. and using those to acquire right. uh, new works right. because you have a mandate to uh, acquire directly and mm-hmm. not to sell.
1: Right. And you know, we do um, want to support galleries and, and thereby artists. So you know, we're not at auctions. And that, you know, that drives um, your collecting as well.
0: And you, uh, UBS has an um, art advisory service for your clients. Uh, it
1: does. It's called the Art Competence Center, and it's based in Switzerland.
0: But that the, those are sort of siloed different things? Yes. You guys don't work together we, in any Well, way. we
1: do work together, and again, it's another area where we're breaking down the walls. Um, but there are five art platforms at UBS. One is the arts forum that I mentioned, the more educational aspect. I like to think of the core of this is the collection, which is another, and then the Art Competence Center, and then we have art sponsorship, so we do all sorts of sponsorship from Art Basel to the Guggenheim map program, and then we also have a foundation, which um, is mostly active in Switzerland, so there's a lot going on.
0: Well, I I was going in another direction. I can imagine uh, clients coming in, especially the way art has become such a big deal for for people. um, I can imagine clients coming in and asking to buy works off the wall. Oh, yes. uh, Let alone if you're also advising them. (laughs) Yes.
1: It's good to have some rules in place because we get those situations every day. You know, people who work here want to buy their work or, you know, clients um, are always seeing what might be available. And it's nice to just say we don't do that. You know,
0: but you don't. If especially if it's something that your curators have been acquiring, mm-hmm. you don't say, you know, through through the advisory services, we can help you uh, uh, get what you know some of. Uh, oh, a, a we do. Work. We yeah. make
1: we make referrals, and you know, in my position, I'm asked by clients a lot for advice on their collections, what to buy, or you know, just estate planning. And there are certain, you know, I would love to help them, but that's not my job. And as a collector. Um, you know, there's a bit of a conflict there. So I don't deal with any of those questions. I just work on our collection.
0: And you let uh, yep. the, their advisor yep. liaise with your people and work it out uh, right. so, somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's good to know. I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that, that that the very fact of having the art there mm-hmm. is engaging uh, mm-hmm. your clients and that they're engaged enough to either mm-hmm. want to get it from you or get your help yes. in getting yes. so, something similar to, yeah. to all of that.
1: And what's also nice to see is, um, you know, through these lounges that we have, our, our VIP lounges in um, the UBS lounges at the three Basel art fairs. Um, I spend a lot of my time in those lounges, and um, it's very interesting for me just to see the conversations and connections that take place between our collector clients. You know, it's kind of a... Um, you see this safe space for dialogue about their collections and meeting each other and sharing. You know, you don't necessarily want to do that. Um, collectors can be very private about their collections, so it's nice to see them connecting with each other. Um, so, does the mm-hmm. bank,
0: beyond that physical mm-hmm. uh, space and all, does the uh, uh, the bank provide any other context for collectors to? you know, share, feel like they're in a, mm-hmm. a, I think you just said a safe space, <laughs> yes. you know, in a place where it's about the art, not mm-hmm. about the, the the rest of the trappings around it. Well,
1: we do have a lot of events that we do for our clients that are art oriented. Some of it, um, you know, we'll have, we just had a women's forum where we were talking about all these issues that, um, you know, relate to, to women. Um, and so, you know, I did a piece on the art, and, and then, you know, there were a lot of collectors in the room. So, that dialogue, you know, we all connected and the dialogue was extended. And yeah, just a number of events we do for our clients. Some of the events are built around loans that we do to institutions. We um, have an amazing Frank Stella that was here at the Whitney and is now in Fort Worth, and we had a group of clients get together there for that occasion. So.
0: So the the last subject I want to just touch on is you Mm -hmm. and your background, Mm -hmm. because uh, you have a long history in the art world, (laughs) but I think this is the first time you've been in a role where you're actually collecting, correct?
1: Uh, No. Oh, there you go. I've worked for collectors before, on behalf of collectors, yeah.
0: You but we, but but you've never been directing a collection is what I'm uh, yes, saying. Yes, I,
1: I well I directed yes a uh, private okay. collection a very big private collection. That's that's what got me into collecting the collecting space per se. You know my earlier years I was doing also I started off as an art lawyer. Yep. So um, you know and then I was in Berlin and you know Berlin kind of called the shots in terms of what I was doing because it was so exciting and interesting. Um, And then when I moved back to the United States, I got more into the collecting space, and then at Sotheby's Institute of Art, I made that an academic discipline, collecting, collection building, Um, and that's when I wrote the book, and we would also focus on corporate collections there, but I had never worked in a corporate collection, that was the but, stone unturned. But there, but
0: there was also a, a, a period of time between mm-hmm. when you were collecting before mm-hmm. you were at Sotheby's for a number of years. Yes. How, how long mm-hmm. were Sotheby's you? Sotheby's
1: Institute. Seven years. Yeah.
0: Right. So and and a lot has happened. That's a, a particular seven years where a lot has happened. Yes. Uh, in yes. this particular world. Yes. Uh, I guess what what I was trying to get to is mm-hmm. is w- how different do you feel it is now versus when you were doing this uh, before seven eight years. Ago. Collecting. Collecting.
1: Um, I don't feel that it's very different. I mean, in many ways, um, it's different. Just the scope gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, But I think, you know, in each case, it's about finding what you consider to be the best pieces and doing your due diligence. You know, it's the same. Being out there, connecting. And, you know, there's no substitution for looking and having conversation. That's what it's all about. And that's the best part of it. So...
0: Well, that's the mm-hmm. the best pieces is a, a short phrase, but there's a lot in there, <laughs> yes. isn't it? Yes. Uh, uh, knowing uh, knowing that you've actually seen the best and seen enough to yes. know what the best it, it is, yeah. and now the definition of best has gotten uh, much right. larger. Uh, right. Than it's what ever is been that? Before.
1: That's always the question, and you know, I, I do find that collecting, whether it's for myself or for a private individual or for an institution, it's it's nerve wracking. It's a big responsibility actually committing to pay any sum
0: mm-hmm. for
1: a work of art um it's a big deal so it's a big responsibility
0: do yeah. you do you still i mean you've got you've got professionals mm-hmm. you've got committees mm-hmm. uh, i know you're you're responsible for the decision making on mm-hmm. quite a bit yep. of of what what's what does that still weigh heavily on you e- each time someone brings you something about saying yes or no
1: somewhat yeah
0: it's and how do you how do you, What process do you go through to get yourself from the I don't know to yes?
1: Well, like I said, sometimes it's clear. It's a clear yes, something you've been looking for, something you know well, something that just ticks all the boxes. But in other cases, you know, I, I have to make phone calls. You know, I do my research. Um, I have certain conversations with people outside the bank that I trust, of course. You know, um, and, you know, we have a... a some advisors, you know, on our art board. So, um, but you know, if it doesn't speak to me right away, um, it, you know, it's probably not going. You know, there has to be something about it, um, and it's so the research doesn't go on that long. Okay, and, yeah.
0: s- and so once you start asking questions, you'll know very quickly whether that the, yep. the that'll resolve it, and you'll say yes yep. versus this isn't going to go anywhere. I'm still asking too many questions. Means yes, I'm not ready. Yes, exactly. To- that's got to be hard. It's, uh, again, it is it give, Given the scope of it, it's yep. much easier to, to base it on your own yeah. gut or taste than it is yes. to figure out, does this work? Not yeah. just because you think it does, but also yeah. within the many layers you have here.
1: Right. And there's a lot of temptations, you know, um, we get offered. You can't even imagine what we get offered every day. But, you know, when you're looking for something, um, what I, I don't want my second choice, you know, and so you always want to know if if you're getting the right piece. You well, know? you
0: don't have the option that other people have of trading up. Uh, yeah. Other people can buy their second choice until the first one comes along right. and right. sell the the second right. choice. You, right. you you can't do that. Right. Yeah. So you really have to decide: is this your yep. one shot, or am I and I, or am I going to wait till I get yes. that shot? And so
1: you know, there's always that risk taking that comes with collecting. If you want the best piece, what you believe to be the best piece, you often have to act very quickly. And um, so, yeah, it does make me nervous.
0: And and do you feel? I mean, you only this mm-hmm. you've only been doing this for a few few months. Mm-hmm. But do you feel like you're you're mostly getting the best piece uh, when you say yes? I mean, do you feel like you're you're getting there? Or? Yes,
1: but like I said, you know, when I when I first started, um, I was I just didn't go out of the gate and start buying. You know, I. I I waited for a few months and and tried to you know and then actually the demands of actually putting things on the walls the pressure was we don't have a lot in storage, and um, I had to start making decisions. So
0: you didn't have the luxury any longer <laughs> of, of looking. I
1: didn't of coming up with a grand strategy, um, and and then again it just comes down to what's great.
0: You, Does yeah. it work? I, I'm, I'm sure you're not the only person in the art world who has a pressure to buy. Mm-hmm. But you may be one of the few people who has a <laughs> pressure to, yeah. to buy.
1: I think, I think we're also just in this unusual moment where we have a backup of a lot of building projects. Um, and some of them are very important. So you need, you need a certain quality, certain standard of artworks. An in important your piece of Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't want to rush into anything at the same time.
0: Um, and and that still involves, uh, like I said, going and either finding from the yeah. primary dealer yeah. what hasn't been sold from maybe a period uh, mm-hmm. a, a, ago, and seeing if, the, as we said earlier, with the the people who wouldn't sell it to, to you because yes. it needs to be in a museum, yeah. sell it to me. We'll 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 treat it well, yeah. and it'll get where you want it to be.
1: Right. And um, yeah, so sometimes I end up just putting placeholders in. I'm going to send this picture over now, and when we find something from your region, um, we'll replace it. And, you know, I encourage even, you know, the the heads of the business who are interested to send me their ideas. Um, You know, some of them who who are quite sophisticated, um, I do want to hear what what they find interesting. Um, And that's also, I think, fun. You know, there's so many people on my team, even, you know, they're maybe not the official curators, but they may have a great idea, you know, or... They have a connection to so-and-so's studio, and so it's nice to keep it open, keep talking.
0: And hope for the, the serendipity that yes. puts the right piece yes. in, in your hands at the yeah. right time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's a perfect place to stop. Mm-hmm. Mary, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Thank you so much, Mary. It was great pleasure. to speak with you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Intelligence Podcast. Visit us at artmarketmonitor.com.